Vampire War for the Second City is a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat with I, Dale, as storyteller. Please be advised that this podcast contains descriptions of gore, depravity, addiction, coercion, and other adult themes. This is not D&D. This is a game where we play monsters of the night who do monstrous things. Welcome, everybody, to another mini-session of Vampire the Masquerade, War for the Second City. It has been two months since Elysium, and our characters are still reeling from the revelations and intense social combat that they experienced. Tonight, however, Hope has a plan a plan to help the Coterie wind down and discuss their next moves. Tonight is Hope's Pizza Party. Let's get into it. Also, night of the pizza party before people come over, it strikes Hope that she needs might need other refreshments. No telling who's going to show up angry. Yes. So she'll do... Go do go and do do a sed- pick up some booze. Go do a seduction on a drunk guy in a bar. Bring him home. Give him a good ride or two, and then pl- press him to drink even more till he's out. <laughs> well, that's the plan. We'll see because you know this is the first time Hope's actually taken it upon herself to host any kind of social event, and as she sets out tonight to obtain refreshments for those of you who are unlike the Thin Bloods and require something a bit more substantial Mm -hmm. than pizza, she quickly realises that the Keeper of Elysium and the Herald and all of their servants have been doing their job for years, possibly decades, and have become so good at it 
that it makes it look much easier than it actually is. So I would like you to start by please making a hunting check. Your predator type is okay. Scene Queen, I believe. Scene Queen. Yeah. Sure is. So I would like you to please go ahead for me and make a manipulation and persuasion check, please. And are you going to be searching for someone who is a member of the body mod culture? I sure am. You sure are, yep. And I'm aware that, uh, as you mentioned to me off camera between sessions, Hope is taking a little bit more care with her feeding now, unless I'm much yeah. mistaken. And so, rather than going out and preying on people with very obvious tattoos or body modifications, trying to look for members of the body mod community who have perhaps lapsed back into their old lifestyles. You're looking for people with piercing holes that have yet to close up, uh, recently lasered off tattoos, yeah. hair implants or, that have started to fall out and the like. Or surgical scars or people talking about LASIK and, you know. Yeah. So, But I only get one success, so maybe t not tonight. Not tonight, yeah. So, would you like to explain why Hope has suddenly decided to take a more cautious approach to feeding? Because uh, Sylvia tipped her off that the Second Inquisition was investigating the body mold culture. That's right. Intel from so. a couple sessions ago. So, you got one success. Well, that's enough to find prey, but because you only got one success, I am going to ask you to please make for me a wits and investigation role to see if you manage to find someone who isn't an obvious member of the body mod community. Hmm, that's only four dice. Three successes. Three successes. Okay. Lovely. That's good. And I will, of course, remind both you and Derek that because this is a mini session, your hunger doesn't really count for anything, but any hunger you do gain gets added to your starting hunger in our next proper session. So, three successes. So, on the night of the big Thin Blood pizza party, Hope in the guise of Jane, Jane, I believe. Yeah, and honestly, the shift isn't big enough that somebody wouldn't recognize her as Hope if they looked past the glasses and the different clothing. Yeah, so it's not so much. It's not a complete, change. not a complete transformation like when she takes on the guise of her tattooist persona. Yep. Rather, it's more like you know, in in a. Hollywood rom-com where the ugly, quote-unquote, ugly girl takes off her glasses, does a bit of a wash-up, and suddenly looks like a completely different yeah. person, despite having the same facial features and body type. Pretty much. There's actually makeup involved with Jane. 
Yes, <laughs> I'm sure Hope does a better job of disguising herself than that. So, Hope doesn't move too far from her apartment. This is her domain after all, and she's not going to risk getting caught poaching when she's just securing refreshments for her friends. Mm-hmm. So, you wander the city block looking for potential potential targets and you stop into the you stop into the all night hipster cafe on the street corner oh, here we go if there's anyone who's a member of the body mod community this is where you'll find them as the streets of south melbourne at this time of night a relatively empty quiet save for the occasional passing car you step inside the cafe and sure enough inside icelandic folk music is playing complete with a live band a, a woman of perhaps no more than 21 22 is doing her best attempt at following along the rather well-played music with her clumsy handling of Icelandic vocals. But that's not what you're here for. You look around at the clientele, despite the fact it is 11pm, the place is pretty much packed. This is one of those geek-cheek cafes. It's a type of place you can come in, order a beer and a plate of pub food and rent a board game from one of the shelves at the back of the cafe pressed up against the brick wall. Hundreds of board games on offer and as you look around and see several tables getting right into rolling dice and playing cards, you wonder how anyone can focus on this stuff with the constant din of laughter clanging glasses and the crooning from the live band success on blush of life by the way of course you are (laughs) Uh, and that requires a rouse check so please go ahead just did success success yep and so you look around and you see one of the you see one of the patrons get up from his table loudly announcing ah man this game's nothing without the expansion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And as he gets up, your eyes follow him. As he makes his way to the back of the cafe, stands in front of the big shelf of board games and starts to browse the selection, trying to find the specific game he's after. And as he stands there, dimly illuminated in the subtle lighting of the cafe you realize that perhaps he must have had a job interview or some other formal occasion prior to knocking off for the night he's dressed in an ill-fitting business suit his hair is immaculately brushed uh, immaculately brushed and combed and styled and Perhaps on the weekends he's more of a punk because you notice his nose and his right earlobe are littered with little tiny piercing holes. 
but no actual piercings. And so you approach him, stand next to him, and make a show of browsing the board games. You strike up a conversation about your favourites. Hope, of course, never really was into this scene much, and so your comments at first are pretty innocuous. Oh, you know, I like that train one, you say, pointing at Ticket to Ride, and this ends up being enough to coax his attention. A few drinks later, and after a round of his favourite board game, a rather confusing affair involving placing plastic miniatures along a board and moving them square by square to battle each other. You're walking out of the hipster bar with the man following along behind you, staggering as he walks under the effects of four or five pints of beer. And by 11.30, you have him sitting down in the leather couch in Jane's apartment. He's just looking around and he looks up at you and he says, So, uh, you uh, you said you're uh, having a board game night or something, yeah? Where's all your friends? Oh, they'll be along. But I'd like to play some different games first if you're up for it. He raises an eyebrow and he says, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm up. Uh, What are you thinking? Magic? Keyforge? Huh. He's looking around. Uh... I don't see much of a collection here. You uh, keep them all in the cupboards or something. And when he looks back, the clothes are coming off. (laughs) and fade to black fade to black we swap over to Derek and Derek I'm assuming he's pliable for a few drinks afterward until he's in a drunken slumber yeah sure is okay good we swap over stash him in one of the bedrooms stash him in one of the bedrooms Hmm? we switch over to Derek and Derek this night you're sequestered in your inner chambers in your church you've given your herd your worshippers the night off tonight you noticed they were looking quite pale and realizing that you've been feeding on them along with sharing them with the thin bloods and with seth whenever he decides to actually stop in and make good on the boon you offered him they're looking quite anemic so you decide to give them some time to rest taking advantage of this peace and quiet you're seated at your desk in your library slash bedroom thumbing through a thick leather bound tome with pages so yellowed you'd be forgiven for thinking this book was taken out of a display case in a museum of medieval history. It's not. It's one of the tomes that you've recently liberated from the Tremere Library down in the Chantry at the University of Melbourne. It's an old treatise on blood bonds and methods of manipulating the curses of the blood that bind vampires together. As a Tremere, of course, 
your clan no longer has the ability to bestow the blood bond on others. But you have other reasons for conducting this research. Would you like to explain what research into blood bonds you are conducting this night? Uh, yes, he's researching into a, a specific type of blood bond that, with all the talk of the Sabat and that coming up, that he read about briefly. Mm-hmm. Looking into. Yeah, trying to look into figuring out how something called the Valduri works. Yes, the Valduri. Valduri. As. Valduri, yeah. As the conversation. As the topic of. Uh, Sylvia's blood bonding to her sire has popped up various times amongst the coterie since that night at Elysium where you witnessed Father Patrick completely enforce his will over her nearly nearly making her speak out of turn to Prince Squizzy you've devoted yourself into trying to understand how Exactly the Sabat enforce this draconian and ancient method of kindred control to understand it and perhaps to find a way to put an end to it. And in the back of your mind, you also have the words of Professor Cypher still lingering from Elysium to find a way to make your thin bloods loyal as loyal as they could be without the employment of a blood bond, at least in the traditional way. But perhaps you have the faint hope as you flick through the book. Perhaps there is a way to accomplish such a thing, even with your clan's specific limitation in mind. So, Derek, please go ahead and make for me an intelligence plus a cult check. Cool, I'm going to rouse intelligence. Someone will help. Mm-hmm. Oh, success, thank God. <laughs> oh, Just four successes. Four successes. So you've been at this since you awoke tonight. Been poring over this book for hours, trying to decipher the archaic scribbles that passes writing, or at least did so hundreds of years ago. And luckily, it pays off. Buried inside this tome is the information you seek. The Valdery is a blood rite practiced by the Sabbat. It is intended to break any existing blood bonds and unite the members of a coterie closely together. Reading with particular interest to how it apparently is able to sever existing blood bonds you're thrilled to find that the tome even provides a treatise on how the ritual is performed. 
Each member of the coterie drips a small amount of their blood into a cup. A ceremony of blood magic is performed, and then the blood is shared amongst the coterie. This produces a communal, weak blood bond called the vinculum. It makes the coterie members supportive of and loyal to each other, enabling them to work as a more tightly knit team, though it does not produce the extreme reactions of a full blood bond. You smile reading this. The coterie already works as a tightly knit unit. This could only make things better, and if it has the side effect of severing Sylvia's blood bond with her with her sire, so be it. Furthermore, as it does not require the coterie to be blood bonded to a higher power, you wonder if perhaps you might make use of this to help Emily and Slick bond together like a well-oiled machine. Over the past few months, they've gotten much better at hunting under your guidance, and these days, the number of occasions where you've had to accompany them out on the night, making sure they select the right targets, subdue them with relative efficiency and clean up after themselves a few. The tag team approach seems to be working, but if they already work so well together, perhaps the vinculum could turn them into something greater, a single unit with the skills, intellect and power of two separate individuals. You slam the book shut with a thump, and just as you do so, you hear your phone vibrate. You reach into your pocket, pull it out, and there's a message from Hope on the screen. It simply reads, Are Emily and Slick out hunting tonight? If they've got the night off, Perhaps we can hang out the pizza party I promised. The words pizza party are encapsulated within quotation marks. Well, I guess I'll respond back that, yeah, they're not, no, they're not hunting. We're all free. We shall be free for the night. Yep. Send off the Got message. Snacks. Oh, yep. Go ahead, Hope. Got snacks of both varieties. Come on over. <laughs> you send off the message, then you stand up out of your weathered leather chair, and it creaks as you relieve it of your weight. And then scroll through your contacts on your phone, finding Emily and Slick's numbers, and decide to shoot them off a message. I believe you recently purchased a dot of resources? Uh, two, actually. Two, yes. Yeah. Knowing that you have the thin bloods to take care of now, and remembering Professor Cypher's ominous warning that you were not to share your haven with them, lest they be exposed to Tremere 
materials without his permission. You decided to monetize your church, started demanding regular monetary donations from your followers, and within a couple of months managed to gather up a sizable fortune, enough to rent Emily and Slick a haven of their own. What kind of haven do you, their benevolent benefactor, provide for them? Well, it's often, yeah, it'd have to be, it's out in, like, uh, finger territory, uh, anarch territory, isn't it? So it's like, that's what I wanted. Yeah, in the yeah, anarch territory. Probably... Sorry, go ahead, Derek. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, uh, you probably like something like a, small townhouse sort of thing or just yeah yeah it's nothing yeah it's like obviously nothing like too extravagant or anything it's just like a small two-bedroom sort of place like that they can both stay in yeah nothing you necessarily have to like worry too much about blocking up the windows and that assuming that as far as the as far as the landlord of the property is concerned it's being rented out by a newlywed couple, their first house, their starter home after moving out from their parents. At first, he leveled a couple of issues with Emily and Slick, immediately boarding up some of the windows in the front and back not for their own purposes, as you were able to test your hypothesis and found that indeed the two thin bloods are as they claim to be daywalkers, and are able to exist in the sunlight perfectly fine, save for their vampiric disciplines no longer working. Rather, they boarded up the windows so that if ever you decided to make use of their haven or wished to pay them a visit during the daytime, which even though you've kept pressing upon them that most vampires sleep during the day and absolutely cannot be out during the sunlight, they still insist might be a possibility. <laughs> After a couple of uses of your dominate discipline, the landlord no longer had a problem with these impromptu modifications to the house. And now, the suburban two-bedroom townhouse out in St Kilda, just out of the reach of Squizzy and the Camarilla, serves as the haven for Emily and Slick. You visited it exactly once, and you found the house almost neatly carved into two halves, one for each member of the pair. Emily's half filled with gym equipment, posters of various athletes and trophy cases, while Slick's is filled with posters for heavy metal bands clothing strewn across the floor and half-empty beer bottles stacking, stacked on top of the furniture. 
send them a message. Tonight, you're going to introduce them to one of your friends, someone who's been very keen to meet them. At least, meet them on better circumstances than them frenzying all over the inside of a nightclub. You send them the address that Hope provides, and then you step outside of your church, climb into your new car, as with your newfound influx of wealth, you no longer have to drive your old rusted beater. Your new car is nothing special. It's nothing compared to what Vincent drives around town. But this one looks a tad more presentable. There's no rust, the paint job is complete, and the controls to recline the seats actually work. You start the engine of your brand new red Holden sedan and take it into the city, through the CBD and across the river into South Melbourne. Hipster capital, the once industrial market centre of the city, now filled with three and four star restaurants, night markets, and dive bars and 24 hour cafes, catering to many of the city's eclectic subcultures. You arrive at the address that Hope provided. It's a simple two-story apartment block, three units on the ground floor, and on the top floor, another two units and a central loft. The loft, you've been told, is where Hope resides under the name of Jane Smith. Uh, quick interrupt. I thought yep. I was in the basement apartment. Oh, you're the basement. Ah, that's right. I mix up all your havens. Yeah. Yeah, basement apartment under the tattoo shop. That's right. Yeah. You realize that it would be odd for Hope to live in a place like this. A loft isn't exactly her style. And then you realize what's right next to the apartment block, the tattoo parlor, wedged right between this big apartment block and an all night laundromat. And next to that, a Chinese restaurant with a thankfully completely empty parking lot. You leave your car next to this restaurant and walk up to the tattoo parlor. You step inside, hear the bell ring, and then a woman with green hair looks up from a computer at the back of the parlor. The wall is covered with framed pictures of tribal tattoos, love hearts, dragons, angels, and other common motifs. She smiles as you step in, and she says, Oh, uh, would you be the friend that, uh, that Jane is expecting? Jane? Uh, yes. 
remember that Hope's mentioned that she goes by various names. At first, Jane catches you off guard. But then you just stutter yes, and the woman with green hair nods, and she says, yes, yes, uh, down the hallway there, past the office and the toilet, uh, through the metal door, stairwell downstairs into the basement. Whole thing's been converted into this sort of loft, and she's been crashing there for a while. You thank her, walk past the reception counter, and follow her directions. A few minutes later, you're stepping off the stone stairwell, and pulling open the thick metal door at the very bottom. It creaks open, and on the other side, you see Hope's, or rather Jane's apartment, splayed out before you. What does it look like, Hope? How is it furnished? I understand it's just a basement, but... So at first it looks fairly tiny. And you realize, no, this is just uh, like an open little antechamber with a coat rack, a kitchenette, several boxes of fresh pizza <laughs> sitting on the counter, along with some pop and, sorry, some soda and a few other things. Now then, but there's a door that goes deeper in, and inside there's a couple of small rooms, some of them barely big enough for two people. But inside one of them, that's cozy, but spread out enough for, uh, with a couch and a television and a couple of other, other knickknacks and accoutrements. The hopes waiting there. Renewitch wearing casual clothes, using the last of her blush of life to finish a vape. Uh, it's, the decor is fairly minimal and the walls are lined with cork. <laughs> Each room is pretty well soundproofed. Yeah. Uh, also, there are coat racks and, like, chests of drawers and boxes all over the place. Clothing. In a few places, it looks like a thrift shop exploded. You're, you're sort of stunned as you step in, Derek. You thought your haven was an exercise in not judging a book by its cover. From the outside, uh, a decommissioned old supermarket, inside a grandiose church, and your inner chamber doubling as a bedroom and a library stocked with centuries-old occult texts. But hope, hope is the master. Somehow, this ordinary basement under a tattoo shop, which at first probably was nothing more than a cramped little boiler room, has been decked out into this magnificent facsimile of an artist's loft. You have the eat food perk, I believe, Derek. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, so as soon as you step in, the smell of piping hot pizza fills your nostrils. And as you breathe in, savouring the smell, bringing forth flashes of memory from your pre-kindred life, you hear coming from one of the adjoining rooms a soft snoring sound. 
presumably the refreshments that Hope has procured. Hey, good to see you. Come on in, shut the door. And let me see if I remember this. Emily and Slick, yeah? Yeah, if, yeah Emily and Slick. As you say this, you hear footsteps from behind. And Derek, you whirl around to see Emily and Slim making their way down the stairwell. Slim. You okay. must have met at Slick, sorry, not Slim. You must have slick. missed them by you must have missed them by mere minutes when you pulled into the parking lot next to the Chinese restaurant. And they're doing their best attempt at dressing up for the occasion. Emily is wearing a tight body hugging black cocktail dress you can see her fit well toned body bulging underneath the fabric and behind her slick is wearing very out of character for him an ill-fitting ill-fitting dinner suit complete with a dark blue dinner jacket and bow tie, although you notice that he has not resisted the temptation to affix a number of badges for heavy metal bands to the breast of the suit. And his hair completely defies the look he's going for by being styled up in his permanent mohawk. He hasn't even made an attempt to change it. The two step through the doorway, Emily entering last, pulling the door shut behind her, and then the two thin bloods look around, both whistling in awe as they take in the sight of Hope's Haven. Welcome. I feel like pulling a Coppola and saying it freely and of your own will, but, you know. <laughs> as they see you, Hope, the two thin bloods stop. They raise their eyebrows, take a step back, and Slick tenses his right hand into a fist. The two are instantly on guard. They exchange glances and then look over at Derek, and Slick says, This is. This is. You know. From the nightclub. And we. Emily. Emily winces and says, points a finger at Hope and says, she's, she's the one who set the place on fire. Well, I put it out. Oh, no, Hope the just shrugs. Sprinkler system did. <laughs> Slick, Slick yeah. raises his fist and he says, what gives? You brought us here to, brought us here for a rematch or what, Pops? Um, actually, yeah, since Derek more or less adopted you, I figured, uh, you, I kind of wanted to see how you were getting on. I'd like you, Hope, well, to please It's kind of make... weird. You, yep. It's like you're, a rel you're like a relative's kids now, you know? 
<laughs> I'd like you, Hope, to please make a charisma, persuasion, or leadership check for me. Okay. Well, Slick isn't body mod, but Emily ain't. Yeah. So we'll... Well, we'll let you get an extra dice. Okay, so that'll make it six. Uh, six is probably fine. Uh, three successes. So Emily's just standing there, her back pressed against the metal door, and she's looking left to right furiously, looking for a vector of escape, while... Slick has bundled both of his fists up in front of him. He's narrowed his eyes and his lips have thinned and he's just staring at you. And he turns to Derek and he says, I get it, man. One last test, yeah? We couldn't take her out last time, but now that we've honed our skills, if we can take her out, then, well, we'll have passed all your tests, right? We'll be full-fledged vampires and... Hope at this point you step forward and... You want to take me on? <laughs> I walk into the back room, hold up an Xbox controller. <laughs> Call of Duty, three rounds, don't suck. And I shove it at him. You shove the Call of Duty, you shove the Xbox controller into his hand and take it by surprise. He nearly lets it drop to the floor before he unclenches a fist, grabbing it. And then he looks back at you and he says, Relatives, kids, huh? He unclenches his other fist. Emily breathes a sigh of relief. And she says, Oh, right. You get winner. You're not going to. You're not here to get a revenge for us trying to kill you. What? Back on the night of no. our embrace. No, geez, you weren't yourselves. It was, and furthermore, it was a really weird scene. Fact it's... is, I just wanted to see how you were getting on, and now that, and now that, honestly, if you've lasted this long, he's okay with you, and you're doing fine. So I really. I thought you might use a bit to unwind, meet somebody else who's kind of in the scene, ask a few questions that you might not have wanted to run past him. You're okay with this, right, Derek? Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> All right. Cool. And maybe practice talking with another relative in a more contained situation where there's no chance of things going bad. Well, minimal chance. I mean, there's always some weirdness possible. Cool. The two thin bloods. Ex- yeah, go ahead, Derek. Sorry. Oh. No, no, no. Just like, yeah, just turns to them and just like, this is more of a. Don't take this the wrong way, but this is more of a chance to socialize, as it was. You know what? Fuck it. I got four <laughs> controllers. You get the wonky one, Derek. Come on. <laughs> you hand Derek a fluorescent yellow controller with a logo reading "Mad Cats" with a Z. And. One of those dodgy, like, third-party ones yeah, that third the parts don't ones. quite work. <laughs> you just uh. sigh frustration, Derek, as you sink down into the leather upholstery in the middle of the room in front of the television screen. Well, two thin bloods exchange glances. Then they shrug. 
Slick parks himself down next to Derek, holds the controller in front of him, and he says, Oh, yeah, come on, bring it on. 10 0 kill streak before the night's over, I yeah. bet you. And then. 360 Emily... no scope, bitch. <laughs> Emily smiles and you see her nostrils flaring and she says oh hey there actually is pizza here she looks over scanning the room sees the three boxes of pizza stacked on a table at the other edge of the loft and then instantly moving like a blur she crosses the room and in the blink of an eye two of the boxes are open and slices have already been removed there's already spots the of grease on the to- There's already spots of grease on the surface of the table, and Emily just looks back at you with cheese dripping out of her mouth, smiling, going, mm, 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 mm. She mm. swallows. Drinks it. Her- she swallows and she says, "Ah, oh, hey, this is good. You know, best thing about this whole vampire gig: cheat meals every night." <laughs> <laughs> Do you drink that often? Slick looks at you and he says, Ah, yeah, beer, whiskey, vodka, whatever you got. And from the other, over from the table, Emily raises her hand and calls out, Mmm, 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 mmm. You take that as a yes. And then... There's there's screwdriver fixing still in the fridge. Didn't finish all of it. Slick puts down the controller. I should warn you before you go too heavy. I brought some other refreshments, and he's sleeping it off in the next room. So uh, you might want to du- not double mix. He's pretty heavy, and Slick shrugs and he says, "Ah, you know what? It's been two months now, going on three. I think I can handle it. Haven't had any botches like that guy in the bathroom on our first night. He." exchanges a glance with Derek. First night's always awkward, man. He says, I'm going to uh, go grab a couple. Okay with that? Yep, go, go nice sorry. Derek. Go hope, would you say? I cut you off. Everything go okay with that? Watch. I kind of glance at Derek. Oh, we were able to clean it up. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, no breaches or anything, no. Rock on. On the screen, on the screen, you see Slick's character take a bullet to the head. You realize he's had no kills and is already on three losses. He places the controller on the coffee table in front of him and he shrugs and he says, Ah, I'm going to grab a slice and a drink. I'll I'll be back in a sec. As he gets up and leaves, you feel Emily sink down into... Slick spot. She picks up the controller and she says, now I'm going to show you how to really play this. Oh, she hunches forwards, gets into it, and within the next ten minutes, she's already... Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. She's already up ten kills over either of you. A jumping fucking knife. I can't believe you got me with a jumping fucking knife. <laughs> <laughs> Am I tall? How is that you... Ah, oh, whatever. <sighs> Alright. A message <laughs> comes up on the message comes up on the screen. It reads Slick wins. And then Emily <laughs> smiles and places the controller down on the table in front of her. 
She stuffs the last bit of pizza crust into her mouth, swallows it seemingly without chewing it, and then she leans back and she says, Ah, so, night to unwind, socialise, and, uh, hopefully less deadly than, uh, the normal vampire socialising that Derek's led us to believe. I have no diddly plans tonight. I am, in fact, totally relaxed. Actually, now that you won, it's probably a good time to give you your present. <sighs> and I break out a manila envelope. Yep. Reach hey, into Derek, you know that thing I did for you? I did this for them, too. You lean forwards, uh, reach over and pull open the coffee table drawer, produce a manila envelope, and hand it to Emily. She takes it looking down at it with curiosity. Derek, you know what this is. What do you have to say? <laughs> I just, yeah, just sort of noticing the, the envelope and just like, I didn't, I didn't count on you to think ahead. Hey, if things go south, this will give them a chance to get away. You know? Yeah. Emily flips it open. She looks down at the documents contained within a fake driver's license, Medicare card, bank account details, government concession card. What's the name you've given to her and Slick? Patrick and Patricia Bates. She picks up the fake ID card, looks at it, comparing the picture on it to herself. Huh. Patricia Bates? And... Oh god, Slick's meant to be my husband? It's a good cover. Married to him? She glances over at Derek and she says, I know that's what you told the landlord, but then, you know, I thought with your vampire powers, he you told us he would forget about it, and I thought it was just a one-off thing, but... Well, here's the trick of it. You're not Patricia Bates, you're Emily. But if you ever want to use that, you can totally be Patricia Bates. Who might want to start start populating her social media. There's Basswords in it for there. I set things up so that uh, you got on about six years ago. She nods. a few bots and do it so there's some weird blogger posts. She nods. various topics. And says, I suppose this could be handy. I mean, I saw I saw Derek and I remember back to the night in the nightclub and what was obvious, all you guys, you've had to leave your lives behind, pick up new identities. Mm. Can't be awake during the day can't be awake during the day, can't continue your old line of work, can't socialize with anyone you used to know, but you know, for me and Slick it hasn't been like that. You know, Good. Earlier today, I did my shift training schlubs down at the gym, just like normal, and... Well, aside from the fact that we drink blood, uh, no one's noticed anything strange about us. Okay. That's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, a lot of us, we get pre- It seems like a lot of us get pretty scarred by having to leave their lives behind. I don't know how... How is it with you, Derek? Yeah. It was a bit, a bit to get used to it first, but... 
didn't have too many strong, super strong connections to begin with, so. Yeah, I was kind of lucky too. I was coming to Australia to leave my old life behind, so, you know, this was kind Derek, of, I mean, it's not great, but it led to some good things, so. Derek reminisces for a bit, tells you about how before he became a kindred, he was something of a paranormal investigator, a wannabe ghost hunter, oh, man. researching the occult. And this took him all over the place and didn't leave him with a lot of opportunities to put down roots in any one location. Becoming a kindred is ironically what allowed him to do that. And essentially, now that he's a Tremere, his existence has continued pretty much in the same vein. Just with more bureaucracy, huh? Yeah. Emily. A lot of that stuff is actually true. Yeah. Yeah, werewolves, man. Holy fuck. And, yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, Emily looks at you both and she says, wait, werewolves? I know. Right? Well, somebody said that, and they certainly weren't shitting us. So, could be. Yeah. She says, neither of you have seen one? Nope. So they could have been mistaken or shitting us. And here's the, that's actually something I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, first, I want to say, if you're happy with your old lives, don't use that stuff in the folder yet. But if your cover gets blown and you need to escape, that'll help you start over. She shrugs so, and she says, I mean, you know, I've spoken to my sister a couple times over the phone. Uh, She's all the way up the coast, up near Warrnambool, and, you know, like, we don't see each other often, but, you know, I'd like to stay in contact with her if I can, and, I mean, you know, I trained all these years to be a personal trainer, and it pays well. Uh, if I can... Right, nobody's saying you, you have to give that up. She... Nobody's saying you have to give that up yet. But... She nods, and she says, I mean, I'm sure Slick would be happy to give up his job down at 7-Eleven, but De Derek, would you have told the Thinbloods about the Second Inquisition? Yeah, he probably would have, because it would have been it was kind of one of my one of my reasonings for why I wanted to get them their own haven as well, as like yeah. Like, yeah, even though they're Thinbloods it's like, it did still mean that there were three of us in one location, yeah. so it was like sort of up the amount of Kindred activity in one spot. Emily so just like, yeah, you wanted to get... Emily just yeah. shrugs, takes a swig of beer from a bottle, and then she says, "Wait, so you guys really can't go out during the day, huh?" You can. Oh wow. Okay. No. She says, "Like I said, I, I did a shift today down the gym." Um. Yeah. I mean, Derek's seen it firsthand. Um. We're perfectly fine. None of that bursting into flames or whatever whatever happens to you guys. Um, I mean, when it's dark, sure, I can do stuff like this. She immediately stands up and in a single motion moves like a blur back across the room, oh, snatching wow. another box of pizza and within a second is back down on the couch, grabbing a slice. She says, I mean, during the day... Nice. Blood doesn't seem to pump fast enough to do stuff like that, but I mean, 
people look at us and they don't seem to clue on that we're vampires or anything. So she trails off and she says, wait, I get it now. I get it. These fake IDs and things like that, that's for, that's for, what did Derek call them? She leans in, lowers her voice. The, the Inquisition? The SI? Oh yeah, that's for them. Yeah. If, if they figure it out. We all try like mad to keep them from figuring it out, but these guys are smart and they're scary. And if they knew about your sister up in, where was it? Warnable, she says. If they knew about your sister, that's a link they could use to get. If then, if they thought you were, then she could get pulled into this. Register slight concern on her face. And now, the good thing is the batch you got here seem to be pretty conscientious. They don't go hurting civilians, but they might do something like keep her place under surveillance in case you showed up there again. Sh or tap her lines or, you know, monitor her social media. She glances quickly at the two of you and she says, and you've had run-ins with them? I mean, Derek mentioned something, but I wasn't <sighs> oh, aware you that tell. you'd... Ooh. So, I'll, I'll take a look to see if Slick's come back. As you do this, Emily looks over her shoulder and she says, Oh, yeah, he's taking a while, isn't he? I'll go check on him. So you stand up, Hope, and you mm -hmm. cross the loft, walk down through the doorway into one of the soundproof rooms. And as you make your way there, you can't help but notice that the soft, steady snoring oh, of the soft, steady, steady snoring of the refreshments has ceased. And you haven't heard it in quite some time. It's only now mm. become a conscious fact to you. As you approach oh, the yeah. as you approach the bedroom about to round the corner and step through the doorway, you hear what sounds like a pained gurgle coming from inside the bedroom. I'll rush in. You rush in and step through the doorway and find a scene out of a horror movie in your very oh, own no. haven. The geek that you brought home with you, the one who was so excited to try the new no clothes mm. game, lies sprawled out on the bed. There's a big gaping stab wound in his upper chest, blood pouring out, soaking through his ill-fitting business suit and into the bed sheets. As you step inside, the smell of the fresh blood overwhelms your senses and for a brief moment, your beast roars for you to join in the feeding frenzy. I'd like you to make a willpower roll, please. Well, fortunately, three successes. Three successes. Hunger one for what it's worth. Flee. 
sir. You stand still, willing your beast to quiet itself for a moment, and then take in the scene before you. Slick is hunched over the man, his mouth placed on the man's upper torso, and he's loudly slurping blood. You notice that the man's skin has grown quite pale, and at this point, out in the loft area, Derek, next to you, Emily just looks at you, her face terrified, and she says, Oh, shit! It's the first time Slick's feeding alone. I'm going to rush forward and knock and pretty much try try to, Hey, 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 snap out of it! Yep, so you're just going to shout at him? Yeah. Yep. So you rush forwards and you shout, Hey, hey, stop it! You've had enough! Let the guy breathe a bit! The slick looks up and he looks at you and you see blood dripping from his oddly human-looking teeth. His eyes are completely bloodshot and he just snarls and then bends back over and continues feeding, completely lost in the moment. In front of my eyes. Go back in the other room and clean up. (laughs) Please go ahead and make for me a dominate plus uh, resolve check. All right. So I rouse and do not get hungrier. Oh, sorry, not manipulation so, plus dominate. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. That's the normal roll for it. Actually, you know what? I Can I rouse manipulation and keep that yeah. roll? Yeah, yeah. This you is just, just keep, keep whatever you roused. So I get hungrier, okay. but I get a messy critical as I pretty much... Yeah. Yep, and you're using mesmerize as well, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so that's oh, also yeah. a rouse check to activate the discipline. I did roll for that. Yes. And that yep. one succeeded. Yep. But I rouse manipulation. That one failed. So you get hungrier. So we'll make it. I'll make a note of that. So one plus one starting hunger for yeah. plus one starting hunger for yeah. hope. Um, okay. Uh, so sorry. he's going to roll. He's going to roll against that with his intelligence plus composure. Resolve. Oh, yeah, resolve plus composure. Resolve plus intelligence, sorry. I'm all all over the place today. Um, All right. Yeah, Uh, so that's a dice pool of four either way, and he's not going to rouse because he's frenzying. That's two successes from him. How many did you get again? I'm sorry. Six with messy critical. Immediately, he stops drinking, and this this would be enough, but your beast is roaring. It's angry. It's insulted. How dare he take advantage of your hospitality in such a way? You invited him into your haven, provided refreshments, and he spills and for some his... reason, that hospitality just kind of... Mm, it's an insult, and before you know what's happening, your beast has taken over. You rush forwards, laying your hands on Slick and pulling him up. 
Your dominate was enough to pull him out of the frenzy. He opens his mouth in protest. But you place your hands on his shoulder and push him away, flinging him across the room. He crashes to the ground with a thump. And then in a singular motion, he leaps up onto his feet, reaches into his breast pocket and flicks out his switchblade. And he says, oh, I knew it. I knew this was a big fucking test, wasn't it? And then he rushes forwards. He rushes. I thought I told you to go get yourself cleaned up. He rushes forwards and goes to slam his knife directly into the centre of your mass. What do you do? Hmm. Well, I thought the mesmerise would take, but evidently not. So... It might. Uh, Yeah, at this point, Derek and Derek... Emily screams and rises from her seat and before you can blink, she disappears out of the room towards the sound of the crash. And to be fair, uh, to be fair, Hope, you did succeed in dominating him, but then with your Mm. messy crit, you rushed forwards and attacked him, so... That's fair. Alright. I'll just dodge out of the way. Yep, go ahead, make a dex athletics check for me, please. Four successes. Four successes, yep. So I'm going to go do for him. That's going to be a... So he's going to rouse the blood. He fails, goes up to hunger two, and then he rushes at you with his knife. And he gets four successes. He slams the blade of his knife into your chest and lets go, leaving the handle hanging out of... hanging out of the front of your dress. And you take two points of superficial damage. Hmm. Halved? He stands there, very... almost frothing at the mouth like an animal. He clenches his fists, holds them in front of him like a boxer, and he says, Come on, bitch! I just stand there with a knife on me. Are you done? Because I need to save this guy's life. (laughs) At this point, Emily and Derek come bursting into the room. Emily immediately shouts, Slick, no! Slick looks over at her, and he says... Come give me a hand here, Emily. Turns out this was one of Derek's secret tests after all. Come on, we can take her. Emily looks towards you, Derek. A look of... A look of great concern on her face, silently urging you to defuse this situation. While they're doing this, I'll quietly sit down and try to save the man's life. Yes. So I'd like you to please make an intelligence... uh, medicine check for me <sighs> meanwhile Derek what are you going to do yeah I'll have to rouse yeah I'll just, yeah, just walk into the room and just 
I do. I don't get hungrier. Well, him just slim. This isn't slick. This isn't a test. I would have told you. Two successes. You need to calm. Yeah, you need to calm down because if I'm being completely honest with you, if Hope wanted to, she could turn you into a chair. <laughs> make uh, make either a charisma or manipulation plus leadership check for me. Only one success. One success. So Hope dashes towards the man on the bed and... Slick steps forwards, raising his fist, about to take a swing. You hold out your hand, Derek, and you bark. This is not a test. I would have told you. Stop. Hope can turn you into a chair if she wants to. Emily, Emily rushes forwards in a blur, taking advantage of his mo of Slick's momentary confusion, and. She pounces on him, pulling him to the ground. The two struggle on the floor, and Emily's holding him down, using her celerity to dodge his blows. She shouts, Stop! Stop! You're going to get us both in trouble! And Slick just calls out, That bitch attacked me! I was going to stop! But then she... You take a step forwards, Derek, look down at him with perhaps a look of disappointed frustration on your face, how a father would look at, down at his children to tell them that they've disappointed him, but he's not angry. Slick stops. He's struggling. He falls limp. Emily breathes a sigh of relief and the blur that his her body slows until she's once again moving at normal speed. Just the same though, she doesn't let go of Slick. Meanwhile, Hope, how did you do on your intelligence medicine check? Two successes. Two successes. You're hunched over the man. His breathing is laboured. A little more than gurgling. <clears throat> His skin deathly pale. You reach forward, grab the pillow, tear the pillowcase off and fashion it into a makeshift bandage. You lean over and lick what you presume to be the main stab wound that Slick was mm -hmm. feeding from, managing to close it as if you'd been feeding from him yourself, and then you start to bandage the cuts and nicks that he must have sustained in a vain struggle against his attacker. A few minutes later, you lean back, the man lets out a pained sigh, one more gurgle, and then his breathing slows, becomes steadier. He seems to be out of the woods okay. for now, but he's lost a lot of blood. Okay. Okay. You see Emily rising to her feet, 
on the other side of the live. bed. She reaches out a hand, pulls up Slick, and then she looks at you, nods when she hears the man is going to live, and then she says, On behalf of Slick, I would like to apologise for such a blatant disregard of hospitality and, um, um... You see her nudge Slick with her elbow. He looks at her annoyed and then looks at you and says uh yeah uh sorry about that dude i uh don't know what came over me you usually emily or derek pulls me off before i he trails off yeah but they're not always gonna be there so no worries we found something you need to work on i'm not even mad i was but let me tell you why and they'll stand up and put knife still on my chest Motion him back out of the room. Carefully, what happened? The, yep, I was going to say you carefully pull the door, the bar, the bedroom and, door shut behind and you, and lock it, and snap the latch to lock it before you usher everyone else back into the loft proper. And then, oh, this sucker has a key loft. Key lock. Okay, and I'll key sit lock, back yep. in the sofa. Back in the sofa. Stretch bed still on me. Acting like I don't care. <sighs> See, what happened there, we call the beast. Your beast told you to keep drinking, even though regular Slick knows that's a bad idea, yeah? Slick nods. He says, it's like, I don't know, man. Once I get the first taste, it's like, uh, I gotta keep going until someone pulls me away. And my beast told me to pick you up and throw you across the room. And in the heat of the moment, we both fail. Emily looks at Slick and says, And that one you had coming, because, I mean, you walked into someone's home that they've graciously invited you into and tried to eat all their food, and if you did it to me, I'd throw you across the room as well. Right. And it's a little worse because this guy, because the food in this case was named Derek, but, you know, is named Derek, but that's neither here nor there. See, this is why I'm not mad for what what happened in the nightclub. Though, there are kindred who would be mad if this situation happened, even though they do have moments like this themselves. The two but, just look at you. Occasionally, their gaze drifts to Derek, as if trying to gauge what he thinks of this impromptu lecture. No, I just, I just let Hope go. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, you, you just nod and gesture for Hope to continue. Yeah, this is why vampire society is really dangerous. Because basically at the core of it, we're all kind of junkies. Blood junkies. And when you need your fix, it can get ugly. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty much how it is. So no, I'm I'm not even mad. Shit happens. I pull out the switchblade and back to him. Slick looks up at you. He's hung his head briefly. He sees you offering the switchblade. He just reaches out silently, takes it contemplates it for a moment and then flips the blade back into the handle and 
shoves it into the inside pocket of his jacket, looks back at you, staring at the gaping stab wound, the cut in your dress that he made, and he says, I, I stabbed you right, right in the heart, dude, and it didn't even stop you. That's one of the big differences between you guys and me and him and the older ones. We're technically dead. You guys, bullets are a problem. Us, bullets are a problem eventually. Emily whistles like and slick. She seems to be transfixed on the stab wound and she says holy shit like I cut my finger prepping the exercise equipment today and that fucking hurt like you guys you guys are on a whole different level to us and slick nods beside her he looks over at Derek and he says where Thin bloods, right? I mean, is that the difference? Yeah. Is that the difference that you guys are, well, you guys are dead inside and we're, I don't know, like, still halfway human? Um, bear in mind, we don't yeah. know everything. Yeah. Because, uh, we're only about three, four years into this too, and the way the way vampire society works, people out there hoard information and trade it for useful stuff. So not everyone gets a good mentor. I got a pretty decent mentor eventually, but um, I don't know everything about thin bloods. What I do know is that so there was. A hypothetical first vampire. And he made more vampires. Vincent says these were generations. And the first vampire was stupid powerful. But every successive generation got a little weaker as far as vampires go. So it looks like to me like you you kinda got a half dose. Which means you still get stuff like the sun and food and I don't know, sex feeling good, maybe. I, I I don't want to pry into your personal lives. But for the rest of us, yeah, we're, we're pretty much fucking dead. Emily leans back against the table and she thumbs open the last pizza box. Contemplates the pizza for a moment. By this point, it's growing rather cold. And then she shrugs, lifts a slice, bites into it. Chews. Please do. And she says... Right. Well, Derek's got, like, this chart thing in his haven, right? And he showed it to us. Something, you know, the Chantry, they like to track who, who's a member and where they came from, right? And it's got this number 13 there next to Derek. And so I guess... That means Derek is 12 vampires removed from the original? Something like that. 
and I get a little hungrier as the wound seals slightly. You see the two thin bloods just watch their jaws drop open and Emily just nearly, Emily stops chewing the piece of pizza and you can just see it sitting on top of her tongue as they watch the wound seal and they look at each other exchanging awestruck glances and Slick says can you teach us how to do that? Um well for me it takes blood I don't know if you guys can do it Derek can they do that? Derek make an intelligence occult check for me please but I don't want to do that too much more because it makes me hungrier. Three successes. Three successes. So, <laughs> you are aware that Thin bloods can rouse their blood to heal their wounds, much like you can. Of course, the problem therein is that the majority of things that would not phase you, that would be simple scratches or bruises that your blood can quickly and easily take care of, are life-threatening mortal wounds for the thin bloods. Meaning... If they cut their finger on a sharp piece of paper, they might be able to rouse the blood to heal it. But if someone stabs them right in the heart, it's going to take several nights and a lot of blood to clean it up. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, so between... Whether you're a full blood or a thin blood, yes, you are. For the most part, you're essentially a walking corpse. It's just with a thin blood, the curse's effect isn't as strong on you, so you still appear human and kind of exist and all that. Oh, okay. Without. Yeah, so they can, unlike us, you guys can pass cursory checks and stuff without needing to. Uh, what is it? trick your way through oh something yeah. else just occurred to me yeah you're gonna need those papers eventually because it, that lady who turned you she was turned 30 years ago she looked still at 20 yeah you're not gonna look like you're gonna be aging there's also that yes. Emily swallows the pizza and she says well at least we get that part of the deal I mean what even is the point of being a vampire a thin-blooded vampire, we get the short end of the stick on so many things, and we age. At least we don't have to worry about that. She looks at Slick, and she pulls out the manila folder and quickly explains to him the fake IDs that you've provided and their purpose, and then Slick has much the same reaction as her. Married to you? But I thought that was just... She raises her hand and says... It's for an emergency, or for, you know, 20 or 30 years down the line when we, you know, start to 
start to look like uh, something weird's going on with regards to our ages and she gets it she looks back at you and she says Derek wrote this number next to our names on his little chart a 15 so that would mean we're of the 15th generation Derek you've got a way to check generation Derek, you have contact. Your, your contacts within the Chantry, particularly Seth, have access to blood magic that allows them to determine the clan and generation of a given vampire. And in the interests of putting your thin bloods to use to the best of their ability, this was one of the first things you had done. Slick. So they're actually two removed from us. Yeah. Slick huh. shrugs and says, So if you guys are 13 and we're 15, and that bitch at the nightclub was 14, I guess we really are at the uh, bottom of the totem pole, huh? Um. Yeah, the bottom of the, of the kindred totem pole. I, so I've been trying to ask Sage about this whole vampire racism thing that you guys might hit. And she said that people used to be scary of you because it's a prophecy bullshit, which didn't happen. But there's also a good part of... At the core of it, we're, we're predators, right? It's just how it is now. We need the blood, gotta have to survive. And the more mouths there are to feed, the less blood there is for others. So it's why a lot of vampires get territorial, especially as they get older, is how I think it's going. Yeah, so yeah, Emily A lot says. of them want you out of the pool because they can bump you off fairly easily and because it's less competition for them. Slick Shrug says, makes sense. Might makes right. Stronger, older yeah. vampires get rid of the little weaklings like us. More yeah, blood for them. Be that way. And Emily, Emily smiles and says, Now you're getting it, Slick. And when you think of the Second Inquisition coming and hunting all of us vampires, well, even more reason to cull the population a bit. Oh, yeah. that's It's very cutthroat. The two very look at Darwinian. you and Emily says, Did I hear you mention Sage... Yeah, I understand you ran into her. Yeah, yeah she, she uh, showed us the ropes our first night when Derek sent us from the nightclub. Let us crash in the back room of her bar. Nice enough girl, but she kept trying to sign us up for this anarch thing. And uh, yeah. Well, she, she yeah, get... may have mentioned this uh, prophecy thing as well. Uh, apparently, uh, the... the, the, the the big old old guys in this city, the, 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 the Camabrillo or whatever they're called. So they think that when thin bloods turn up, it's a sign of the end times. Am I getting it right so far? I don't exactly know. Sage just said it was some prophecy bullshit, but if she told you it was a sign of the end times, she was probably right. Slick says, well, she also Which told sounds us. To be kind of stupid. So go on. She also told us that she thinks it's a crock of shit. 
end times haven't yeah. come yet, and so the big wigs are just using it as an excuse to uh, snuff out us little folk, like you said. I mean, that's. A, I mean, if if the, your guys are supposed to be signs of the end times, then what does getting rid of you supposed to do? The, if you're just signs, it's going to happen regardless. So that's why I think it's kind of a bullshit and just an excuse for vampires to be vampires, because we all are some territorial motherfuckers. Emily hoists up the box of pizza. There's one slice left, and she proffers it to Slick, contemplates it for a moment, then he shrugs and takes it, bites into it. Emily looks back at you, and she says, Okay, so... If we're at the bottom of the totem pole, little pathetic weakling vampires, 15th generation, as far away from the original vamp as you can get, and other vampires that are stronger than us don't like us, and we don't hold a candle to them when it comes to a fair fight, what exactly is our purpose? in the world of the undead. Ooh. Well, there's... Sorry, go on, Derek. Yeah. I was just said, I guess a lot of us have been asking that question. Yeah, this is we one may, of the... We may be 13th gen generation, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have more of a purpose than you do. We were turned and thankfully saved from being target practice for the second 2i, the SI. So, yeah. I'll let you... Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, says Slick chewing his pizza. Wait, I heard you tell the story about that Elysium thing or whatever. All those other vampires, like, they were even more powerful than you. Like, if Hope could turn me into a chair or whatever... It sounds like those older vampires could turn you into a smear on the carpet if they wanted to. So, oh, yeah. I, I imagine there were a few of them in there that could. Oh, yeah. Honestly, and I mean, it's not just physicals. You know that mom voice I used on you? Some of them can are probably good enough that they can make you blow your brains out and be happy about it as you go to whistle contemplating the implications of this and then Emily shrugs and says well if you guys it doesn't can answer do your original that, question if you guys can do all that and we can't then why are we here why why did you even save us i mean we can't we we can't offer you anything compared to what you guys could do all we can do is stay awake during the day and I mean, well, at this, she sees your face light up and she just stops. So there's a couple of reasons. And part of it's humanitarian and part of it's selfish. Yeah. You'd be amazed how, how helpful it is being able to stay awake during the day in a world, world of darkness. To shrug. That's part of it. Slick Ew. says, I guess, but I mean, unless 
us posing as human somehow factors into what you want it, want from us, then well, I ain't seeing why it's so special. You remember well, maybe some background. So, a few years ago, we all woke up in the meat locker. Newly turned, no idea what the funk we were. I was the only one who was outside Dog Australia. I got turned earlier, but that's that. Nah, I'll tell you later. Um, and it turned out we'd been put there by the Second Inquisition. They'd scooped us up, you know, as newly turned and decided, eh, time to experiment. We got out of there with help from other vampires who... The guy who helped us out, he didn't have an ulterior motive that I could tell. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. He died for it. They caught up to him and chopped his damn head off. <sighs> so, the selfish motive is that we think there's a good chance you can be very useful against the Second Inquisition. They exchange strange glances, strange expressions on their face at first. You think it's utter terror, revulsion, horror at your story, but no, it's almost as if they're excited. Like children seeking the call of adventure. Now, the humanitarian reason is that we still remember what it was like to wake up in that meat locker. You guys were in a shit situation. Not all of us got turned willingly. Not all... Most of us didn't have a choice. I got fucking scooped up off the street and prepped as part of a kill squad. Suicide against some... Wasteland Church or Baron Temple or something like that. I don't know. Fucking know. Same situation for you. The bitch who turned you left you behind strictly as booby traps. That doesn't sit right. You know? They nod in silence. And they look over at Derek. And Emily says, And, and, Derek? That's why you've been training us up? So that, you know... This fight against the Inquisition. So we're almost like secret weapons. Uh, in a sense, you could say that, yes. She smiles. And she just stands in silence for a moment. And then she says, hey, I like it. Look, I get it selfish working to your own ends but we're monsters aren't we and it seems that older stronger vampires taking advantage of the younger weaker vampires is just a law of nature but this second inquisition thing we're all in that together and if we've got a special advantage and we can do something to make sure that the rest of us get through this alive and take away some of the pressure and to make it easier for us little guys to survive, then 
beside her slick nods and he says, Yeah, I can throw in with that. And I tell you this. Sorry, go on, dear. Oh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. Even though you're starting at a lower starting position, a with age, you will get stronger. I, I don't know exactly how it works with you guys, but you will get stronger, and more importantly, you're going to learn more. Like I said, knowledge is hard as fuck to get a hold of. People keep things secret. People hide details. You don't need to be the biggest badass in the room if you know the words to make the biggest badass in the room go, huh, I didn't think of that. Or, huh, that's useful. I owe you something. Or like you were... Like you pointed out earlier, you know, in a fair fight, hell, even me or Hope could probably paste both of you across the walls. But that's the thing. You're kindred now. It's not about a fair fight. Never is. If you're in a fair fight, you should probably get the fuck out of there. <laughs> hell, even the night when I saved you two, I was... I had to talk down a vampire who was, quite frankly, way more powerful than I was. And that was the thing. I, yeah, I thought I talked him down. And I engaged in my strengths, not his. Yeah. So I mean, if somebody's the biggest badass in like uh, talking. Don't try a debate with them. If somebody's the biggest badass in punching, don't try a boxing match. At the core of it, I mean. We all have to figure out why we're on this earth now and what's keeping us going, and I've got my things. But at the heart of it, survival is going to be the most important thing to begin with. Figuring out how to get that fix and balance it and pretend to lead a normal life. You know, if you hadn't eaten all the pizza, I would have pretty much fit it into the garbage process, into the garbage processor. I do that. Every other night I buy food out and I feed it in there just so that my cover identity has a record of putting out trash with food in it. Slick looks down at the empty pizza box and he says, Well, hey, if you need someone to eat the food, I mean, we'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Honestly, if you guys want, you're more than welcome to come over like every now and then. Oh, Derek permitting, of course. Uh, that said... We might want to save it for special occasions. Emily nods and she says, Yeah, definitely. Least until Slick can get a hold of his uh, beast. But. Oh, if you ever do that, I'm not providing refreshments anymore. To say that. She, I forgive, I don't forget. She nods and she says, That's probably a good idea. But the important thing is, like you said, this vampire thing, it's not all about power. She exchanges a sidelong glance at Slick, and he nods, and she says, And though we feel like we have more power than, you know, the normals, we understand that when it comes down to it, we're nothing. We're fleas in a cosmos of things beyond our understanding. So, we got to play this smart. 
and you guys saved us. We would have died that night had you not intervened. So, as far as I'm concerned, if there's a way that we can ever repay you, we'll do it. And if that gives us a leg up, gives us some intel, some leverage we could use to play this game smarter and survive for longer, well, we'll happily take that as a bonus. Rock on. Now you're getting it. That, that concludes our mini-session. You each... They are helping me get the poor bastard out of the apartment, though. Yeah. <laughs> you just look over at Slick, and then he he shrugs, and he says, ah, All right, fine. He looks over at Derek. He says, Don't suppose you can help with the legs again? Yeah, I Check the phone. Make sure Marita's yeah. not, like, out anywhere. Okay, we're good. <laughs> so as you as Derek and Hope and Slick head towards the bedroom to clean up the aftermath the mess left over by this pizza party the two of you gain one experience point each and in addition due to your guidance and education of the Thin Bloods both of the Thin Bloods now have the ability to use their Thin Blood Alchemy Discipline, and they gain a free dot in it. Oh, nice. I'll also uh, tell them to go on ahead and pull Derek aside. Oh, Sylvia's just... Blood Blonde. We need to talk about that. Yeah. Sorry, and then I'll just, just to backtrack from that a little bit, just like while it's like we're all sort of together, I'll just sort of. Explain to the Thin Bloods the whole thing of like how we were all like we all turned on the same night and we became a coterie and like what that all means and it's like basically explain to them that like yeah it's like despite everything that happens tonight hope and hopefully soon we'll be able to hundred percent but hope and uh I'm, what's H Wing's character's name again Irene Sylvia Irene? Sylvia, Sylvia I don't know why I'm thinking Irene I'm thinking of someone else. Come on, Irene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like basically like yeah, like they're the only two people you can I can say that we can probably actually trust. Emily everyone up, yeah, Emily just everyone else is playing this vampire game of backstabbing. Emily shrugs and she says, Hey, don't know about this blood bond thing, but it doesn't sound pleasant. And we're all for the little guy standing up against their oppressor. So if we can save your friend, if there's anything we could do to help, you just got to say the word. Uh, maybe. Right now I need to talk with Derek about it. And uh, it's information could get you in the shit or me in the shit if it gets out. So come on, Derek. Over there lead him away, away hearing a thump coming from the bedroom as slick hoists the hoists the man's unconscious form off the bed yeah. oh his address is blah 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 so yeah. Yeah. 
just get him an Uber, tell the driver he's had too much to drink, take him there, whatever. Uh, and I talk Derek. And Derek, uh, I pull out a notebook with a sketch. Yeah. An anatomy diagram. So my plan is to basically rig Sil- rig Sylvia's uh, esophagus so she can flip off and shunt blood into a plastic bag. I like a colostomy. So that way she can fake drinking from Patrick. And in time, the bond should wear off. Trick is she's going to want it, so it's not 100%. This is my plan. Yeah, I was about to ask that. I was like, would she be able to resist enough, though, to be able to activate it? I don't know. That's the sticking Mm -hmm. point. Well, that's where you might come in, Derek. Do you tell Hope about the Valdery and its strange properties? Yeah, I'll give the... I explain, like, yeah, I've been doing research into the blood bonds and how they how they work, and that I've, yeah, discovered the Voldery. Give sort of, like, a basic rundown. I don't go into the full description, so, yeah. But, so there is a yeah. way to break it. Yes. With, with a price. Obviously, and, yeah, mm-hmm. you can tell about, like, there are minor side effects. And so... You, me, Vincent, and Vincent... You, me, Sylvia, not Vincent, the Thin Bloods. Maybe, maybe. The question Absolutely. lingers in your head, Hope. Is that an acceptable price to pay for freeing Sylvia from her sire's machinations? If it's Sylvia and Derek, yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's a note to end on, I think. After all, this this isn't like it's a Sabat thing or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a note to end on. That was Pizza Party, episode 10 of Vampire War for the Second City, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat. With me, Dale, as storyteller, Lost Demiurge as Hope, H. Quen as Sylvia, Paradox Mimic as Derek, and Ash as Vincent Merriweather. Music was created by Kevin McLeod and is used with permission. Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness are the registered trademarks and property of White Wolf Entertainment and Paradox Game Studios.